This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of the Raw Reaction Series. Joining you in the morning after Arsenal's 3-1 defeat at Manchester United. It happened. Arsenal were always going to drop points at some point. That was the reality that we knew. Uh, we couldn't win them all. No team ever has. Uh, we have done as close as we can to trying to win every single one, at least not losing every single one. But uh, yeah, it was always going to happen. It was always going to be this way. And unfortunately, this game happened at one of the worst places at one of the worst times. It arguably could happen, but it has. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it and everything else that happened yesterday and get, of course, a lot of your thoughts and feelings in the comments section as well. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Thank you so much for being part of the show's community as always. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Um, Make sure that you go and check out the Football Prizes website, link in the description. There's no live Arsenal prize at the moment, but there is plenty of Arsenal goodness and other footballing goodness on the website. So do go and check that out. The PSV ticket competition has now sold out, so uh, you can't get anything to do with that, unfortunately. But uh, good luck to all of those that did enter. Um, But yeah, that's, that's enough admin from me. Let's go straight into kind of the game. Yesterday... Uh, yesterday I <laughs> had a career highlight in what was obviously juxtaposed to quite a poor result. Um, not a poor performance or a poor game by any means. It was a, a thrill of a game, even though we didn't get the right uh, result. But yesterday was my first time in the press box at Old Trafford. It was a, a long day. Left the house at 9am in the morning, got back at about 1am last night. It was a really long day. Um but a great experience and great career highlight of mine. And I just always wanted to say a massive thank you and how grateful I am to you guys because the channel has definitely been the trampoline that has, you know, allowed me to propel my career, I suppose, into this kind of world. And moments like this are not taken for granted. It was really interesting kind of being in around, you know, the journalists talking through the game. It was interesting being in the away crowd because obviously the press box is located in the middle of the the man united section 
trying to contain emotions as well because you can't react like a fan in the press box really you can there's like a limit you can't go like you can when you're in the away end I, I suppose there's a bit of a blessing and a curse side to it is that it's an amazing kind of honor to be able to do it but at the same time you've got to be as resta- restrained as you can and so there are a few times where I kind of broke uh character if you like and you know there were a few like fist bumping moments and and, and that but it was yeah really difficult to stay restrained as much as possible and continue to kind of write and work in that environment really tight compact space the old trafford is a really old stadium so the uh the, imagine like you've been to like a league one game where the the seats are really tightly packed in um it was like that except you've got a table in front of you and a and a tv screen to watch the highlights back as well of course in the stadium and you're typing as if you're like here i'm being genuinely serious it was really tight but you know, it was an amazing experience. It's going to be one of those that I, I cherish forever and look forward to hopefully plenty more opportunities to get into there. Um, so a massive thank you to, to Kaya as well, who's with me, and Football London for the opportunity. Um, let's talk about the game. Defeat hurts. It really, really hurts because we've not had this feeling so far this season. We've really not um, had not only just a defeat, but one that really felt unjust, Arsenal didn't deserve to lose this game. It's not like we were outplayed. It's not like where we used to go away to the big six teams and come away knowing we're just levels off them. Arsenal were the better team in this game. And I think there was a really good comment, and I'm going to try and find it if it is still allowing me to go right to the top of the chat box as well. And I know I've not said morning to everybody. So good morning to everybody joining us, Matt G, Simon and Tony and Carl. My head's all over the place after yesterday. Kaiser and Martin, good morning to you, David and Damien, Kevin, James and Answer. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me um, and everybody else, of course, in the chat. But there was a really good comment from Jonathan, um, which I noticed and responded to. The way we lost yesterday, Jonathan says, was similar to the way the City lose when they you know, lose those games to Spurs, when they're at home or they're away and they dominate the games and they create lots of chances, but they're done by some clinical finishing on the break and some misfortune with the officiating as well. And... I could not sum it up in a better way. It really did feel that way to me, the way in which City lose those games to Spurs. That's how it felt. It was a perfect kind of example, Jonathan, of how to sum it up. Um, But there is only so much you can do when things like this happen. I, in the moment, I'll be very clear. Let me kind of recreate the scenario to you in, in when I was with Kaya when this happened. In the moment when... Uh, we obviously we saw the goal go in it wasn't really clear on the pitch what had happened in the moment um and so when we were seeing the replays we both said we thought it was going to get chalked off both of us agreed that we thought that Paul Tierney would go to the monitor and, and disallow this goal now I think that's just because we've become conditioned into just thinking that one Arsenal are going to get the never going to get the rub of the green two that really soft challenges are enough for these officials and the just the laws of the current game to rule out what was a really good goal and a great finish from Martinelli. Wow, that would have been amazing for his confidence and for the team had we have taken the lead. It's a really soft foul. And because it's on kind of that, um, it's on kind of that line, in that moment, I don't think if the referee doesn't give it, that it's not a clear and obvious error. And I, that's the thing. Like I'm not, I wasn't pulling my hair out. I wasn't um, 
like super angry at the officials for for making that decision personally because it was it was kind of on the line of what is expected but for me if you're going to give those if you're going to overturn those you're going to disallow hundreds of goals hundreds of goals and I feel as though that they need to stick to form that if they keep a decision or the play going then of course they don't overturn it because it's just not a clear and an obvious error. I don't think that VAR, the whole point about introducing VAR is that it didn't re-referee the games. It is there when a referee has made a very clear mistake or they've not seen something. There's no denying that Paul Tierney saw the event that happened. There's no denying that he assessed what happened and made the conscious decision to play on because it was, you know, it was, it, it was just, it was a nothing kind of moment. And if you watch it back in slow motion, you go it over as Tierney did. I mean, he went to the, re- the the monitor and looked at it for a good, what, 15 seconds, I'd say? A really long time, maybe longer. If you have to think that hard about it, is it really a clear and obvious error? To me, a clear and obvious error is if you've made a decision, you watch it back and go, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. You know, I've made a wrong choice there. That's clear and obvious. If you think a player's got the ball, you know, or if you think there's been a, a massive kind of foul in that moment or has really physically barged someone over, then I might understand it and gone, wow, yeah, absolutely a foul. I got it wrong. But in that moment, it was so soft and Ericsson goes down so easy. If you have to assess it for as long as he did, I, you know, I just can't get my head around why there's the necessity to overturn that. And that would have been a completely different game. If Arsenal had taken the lead in this, do you feel like the momentum would have really been with them? Maybe that they would have got, they would have, you know, got one back or whatever. But you just feel as though this Arsenal team in this moment with that kind of momentum going 1-0 up at Old Trafford with defenders still not on yellow cards by this point, you know, I think it would have been a very, very different game. I thought Sambi Lukonga struggled. Um... He had a really good game against Aston Villa. That's the first thing I want to say because it shouldn't be coming across like I've got some agenda against him or that, you know, we've got kind of this this viewpoint of Lokonga. I thought Lokonga struggled in in the key moments, you know, poor positioning at times, giving the ball away in, in awful moments that Man United countered from. And this obviously then lends itself so perfectly because it's the first game after the deadline day closes into the argument about whether or not we should have signed someone deeper in the midfield. Is this the end of Lokonga? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. And, you know, I think I agree with, um, I think I agree with Kaya that Lokonga is more of an eight than a six, that actually playing in that kind of role in the deepest position, why he was out of position so often, because I think he just feels himself as a, as a midfielder that plays further forward. Um, And that kind of mental feeling of where you think that you are as a player and where your actual position on the day is. I think when you're a young player, those things can kind of blur. And he was caught out of position a number of times and his passes were a little bit off. It was a really difficult um, kind of moment for him. And Clive, I think I agree with you. You know, in these big games, I know that Xhaka gets turned very easy. But if Lokonga is a little bit further forward than Xhaka, he has the mobility to get back more and help Xhaka in those moments. And the thing is, Xhaka's passing, you know, you'd bank on Xhaka's passing more than most in this team and wouldn't necessarily be forced into making those those decisions that Lokonga did. So I guess that in that moment, potentially using Lokonga there is maybe the wrong decision. 
Um, but the benefit that we've had from playing Xhaka on the left-hand side and that slightly further forward um, position has been so good. Xhaka has been absolutely excellent. So there is a reluctance, I think, to to play Xhaka as the deeper midfielder and then bring Lukonga further forward. But it's really easy, I think, to you know <laughs> go to a game in which we've lost and a player has made two mistakes and go, they're not good enough in two moments, just the two moments of a young player, 22 years of age. This, this should not define Lukonga's career by any means. How he responds to this, and he's going to get a chance because let's be real, we don't have the players. How he responds to this will be what I think defines Sambi Lukonga's career. If he comes out of this moment and responds by playing against Zurich, which I think he should. You know, I, I know we're really thin in midfield, so we don't have too much choice. But I think he should play against Zurich. I think it should be an opportunity for him to react. He should then play against Everton. We need to give the opportunity for Lukonga to respond to these mistakes. Because there were some really good moments from him. There were moments where he progressed the ball. There were moments where he did kind of the party-like thing where he takes the ball forwards, beats his man, runs into space, plays the ball forwards. You know, I think we sometimes can get really fixated on these kind of errors that they make and just kill a player and just end their career then and there. But actually, when you go back and watch the individual display, there were some really good things from Sambi Lukonga in this game that you feel as though if you can just mitigate those errors, mitigate those lapses of judgment, as a lot of young players have, there is definitely a really good player in there. Matthew says, Tom, I think Sambi was really good on the ball, had a very good game. Elliot and yourself thought he struggled. It's strange how we can see the game differently. As I think, I'm trying to be balanced in this, you know. I think that he struggled in moments. He didn't struggle across the game. I think he struggled in moments. And unfortunately, those moments cost Arsenal goals. And that's what kind of accentuates and really kind of emphasises... the performance in a negative light. I think Kaya still gave him a six out of 10 in his match ratings. I think I might've given him a five because of the errors leading to those goals. But I, it's really difficult to overlook some of those errors and then see kind of the, the overall performance of the player. But I actually didn't think if remove the two errors that lead to goals and, you know, he would have had a fine display and would have been probably praised for having a decent performance. But because of those two errors in particular, that, contributed to us conceding two goals you're never going to be able to do that it's just not possible and when your first and your second choice number six are injured that is going to happen because when your third choice number six is the guy that comes in away at Old Trafford against a team that have been having to play on the counter and I've got some really quick players and some clinical players that that's the situation you find yourselves in so am I going to kill the player for this no is his future as a number six? I don't think so. I think that if people talk about him being, he's the Partey kind of, he's if Partey's out, he was brought in to be the guy that Partey would be replaced by. I don't think many of us would disagree with that. When Partey was out, we brought Lukonga in to be the guy that Partey was to be replaced by. And you know what's really ironic about that? Is that Partey's not a six either. <laughs> You know, Partey plays the deepest part of our midfield three because he's the best player to play that position of what we have. Because we don't really have a number six. The style, as Clive describes, of number six is very different to maybe what the classic sitting in front of the back four, back three does. 
it's a very different role these days. And that's why Partey plays that role because he's the best player that we've got to do it. But actually, Partey's best position, I think, is where Xhaka is in that role. On the right-hand side, but we've got Odegaard who plays slightly further forward. But I think Xhaka, uh, where Xhaka is in the, the kind of the role that Xhaka is playing right now, that is Partey's best position for me. And ironically, that's probably Lukonga's best position as well. So when we say that, well, Lukonga's got to perform because we've brought him in to be Partey's replacement. Well, the irony is, is then we're asking we're asking um, Lakonga to come in and play a position that he's not better than, but actually, ironically, he's playing in the place of the player that also is better as that slightly further forward, not player that's sitting. Parte, Atletico Madrid, great progressor. You know, playing alongside the likes of Coque and Saul, you know, he wasn't ever... I think there's a huge misconception about the position that Parte played at Atletico Madrid. People talk about him playing kind of this number six position, he wasn't a defensive midfielder at Atletico Madrid. If you look at Partey and you go watch him at Atletico Madrid, he wasn't a defensive midfielder. People talk and look at kind of lineups on paper or they'll go into transfer marks and they'll go, look, no, 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 look, look where he was. Look, transfer marks as he played defensive midfield. Okay, go and watch Atletico Madrid play when he was there and then come back and tell me he played and sat in that number six position. He didn't. He didn't do that. And so his best position is playing slightly ahead of the six, progressing the play, moving the ball forwards, driving and using his power and presence. And so getting back to the point, because I know I'm going off on a tangent, but if we brought in Lukonga to be a um, Partey's kind of replacement and the long-term replacement for him, I'm not going to kill the player for making a couple of errors in a position that I personally don't think is his best role for me. That's where I'm kind of at with Lukonga. And there is an argument that, as Dave says, if we are really struggling, maybe Ben White comes into that number six position. Maybe that's what we have to do in the bigger games. If we go to Man City, if we go to Spurs, if we go to Liverpool, then maybe Ben White plays six and we put Tommy Asu in the uh, in the right back role. I think that's a genuine possibility and people don't like talking about Ben White play at DM. I personally used to never like playing at DM. But actually, when you go and watch him play for Brighton and Leeds, when he played in that DM role, he played it quite comfortably. And he's adapted to the right-back role really comfortably as well. So I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that he could adapt and play in that position, probably better than maybe Lukonga does in these big, big games. But against the likes of Zurich, against the likes of Everton that we've got in the next two games, Lukonga should still be starting in that position. The substitutions. This, this is where I think the game changed and not for the better for Arteta. We need to be balanced and we need to criticise where criticism is due. And I, I think that Arteta maybe missed, not even maybe, I think Arteta misjudged the situation. Arsenal were dominant in this game. Arsenal had the better of the chances, the better of the possession. They had the better opportunities um, and they were really making United sweat in moments. And at 2-1 down, he panicked. At 2-1 down, he went, wow, let's think back to Fulham. What did I do? I took off my left back, I brought on Nketiah, and we were great. There's a difference between Fulham and Manchester United. Fulham have Mitrovic up top, who is a player that will punish you if you're given the ball in the wrong positions. Man United have Rashford, and they had Ronaldo, and they have Eriksen, and they have Fernandes. They have players that will hit you on the counter, they will play a brilliant pass in behind, and find the player who is 10 times quicker than Mitrovic. So taking off Zinchenko and bringing on forwards to go to a three at the back 
is probably the reason why we ended up losing this game as we did. And so whilst I think that the reason we went behind is more down to the officiating and not giving us that momentum, I think the ultimate reason why we lost this game 3-1 is down to Arteta. And this is coming from someone that has defended Arteta and really backs Arteta and still thinks Arteta is the right man to lead Tom uh, lead Tom forwards, lead Arsenal forwards. Um and that's that for me is 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 where we made a mistake. I would have made a couple of changes, that's fine, but I wouldn't have changed the system. I wouldn't have changed the structure. If you wanted to bring in Ketia on, fine. Take either Martinelli or Saka off. Well, to be honest, I wouldn't have taken either of them off because I thought Saka and Martinelli were great. I thought they were really, really good. Martinelli was an absolute pain on that left-hand side. Saka was a pain on the right-hand side. And they were getting in behind them. And I think that when we made the changes and we had two forwards, we actually kind of, we congested a bit the forward line and removed and created more space for United at the back. It's a substitution of uh, of an inexperienced coach, I think. Um, and I think that's the politest way that I can criticise Arteta, but it was a mistake. That said, to talk about Fabio Vieira, I really liked what I saw. The passes, the movement, the desire, the the pressing. It's his first performance away at Ultra. To, to make your debut in that game state, in that moment, after being kind of um, brought into the team, I was really happy with his performance and I'm excited to see what he brings. Um, Crusader says, subs were needed, I disagree. Look, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think subs were needed. I just would have taken probably Odegaard off for Fabio Vieira or, you know, moved Jesus to the right-hand side and brought Saka off for Enketia. You know, I just don't think we needed to change the system. I don't think we needed to change what we were doing you know what I mean? I just don't think we needed to change the structure of the team in that moment. We were in control. We had dominance. Um, United were struggling. And I yeah, I, I just think that the, the changes um, for me was what cost us the third goal. I think the third goal, even though it was another individual mistake, I think the lack of players there, the extra space that United had to counter us, it cost us. And as soon as that third goal went in, it was game over. Arsenal were never coming back into the game. Never, ever, ever coming back into the game. So for me, it was a mistake. And I hope that it's something that maybe we learn from in the future. I think this is where, obviously, when it comes to Arteta, there's obviously a big divide in the fan base still. I say big divide. I don't think there's a big divide. I think there is a divide. I think there are people that still have doubts about Mikel Arteta. And I still think there are people that... Um, and I think there are people that, that love Arteta and think he's the right guy for the job. I personally sit more towards the camp that think he's the right man for the job and I want to see him progress and continue with Arsenal and I have absolutely no issue with that and I think the reason why we are where we are at the top of the table right now, having won our first five games and of course now unfortunately came away with a defeat against Man United is a lot down to him and his decision making both on and off the field trying to bring in players like Gabriel Jesus and the style of play that we've got all down to him. Credit to Arteta. You know, but unfortunately, there are people at both ends of the spectrum. And there are some people that if I ever, ever, ever say anything bad or criticize or anything wrong about Arteta, I'm now the worst person in the world. I'm sorry, guys, but you need to get out of that mindset. You need to be able to criticize. You need to be able to look at a decision that's made and recognize why then we lost the game and why that was actually down to the decision of the manager. You protecting Arteta is not going to get us anywhere. 
You know, we need to be unanimous in recognizing the mistakes because then you can appreciate when we learn from them. And that's what I want to see. Arteta made mistakes at the start of his time at Arsenal with the signings that we made in conjunction with Raul and Edu. And whilst I do put a lot more of that onto Edu and Raul, you know, he signed off on Willian. He signed off on Cedric. He signed off on Marie. He signed off on contracts, you know. And he made mistakes with the club, not just him, but with the club. And since that point, Arteta has learned from those mistakes and we've made some great signings. We've been ruthless in the market. We've got players out that we needed to get out. But if you can't recognize the earlier mistakes, you can't appreciate how well how well we've done and how well Arteta's done to come away from those in a better place. But you have to be critical when a mistake is made. And for me, the substitutions were an error. And I don't think it's that I don't think it should be divisive to say that the, the substitutions were a mistake because the evidence of the game absolutely proves that they were. There is not an argument for me that, that you know, comes back from this um, to suggest that otherwise, to be honest. The evidence is there. And I look forward to Arteta learning from that. Learn from it while you're top of the table. Learn from it while you're one point clear. Yes, it sucks that we lost the game. But imagine if this was the game at the end of the season that cost us top four because we didn't have this experience earlier on in the season when we could afford to have it. I'd rather have that experience now. I just hope he does. I just want to see the evidence now that that we see that in the future. And that's what I want. I'm loving the trolls in the chat box, by the way. Thanks for your viewership. Appreciate it. Keep dropping a like on the video. Love you guys. Um, I've done by, but we move on um, to kind of finish my section before I go into the chat box. And I'm going to be around for a while answering questions and stuff. So don't feel like I'm ignoring you guys. We're going to still going to go and take questions in part two. I just have a lot to say about this game. Um, we move is the, is the honest answer to this is we move forwards. Um, we move ahead with this. Um, I think that it's an experience that hopefully we needed. It's an experience that as I've already just mentioned there a second ago that we'll learn from Um there are a lot of positive things. That's probably the best we've played at Old Trafford in a very, very long time. And I count the game in which we won. You know, this is the best we've played at Old Trafford in a long time. It's a, it's a ground that Arsenal hate. It's a ground that we don't like going to. It's a ground that Man United are always up for every single time we go there. But it's probably the best we've ever played and unjustly came out with a defeat. Arsenal deserve to win this game. In my opinion, Arsenal deserve to win this game. The performance they put in, the opportunities they created, if they were more clinical, if the decisions have fallen our way a bit more, we would have won this game. I think if you replay the game again, I don't think the same things happen. I think Arsenal come out of the win. And I'm fine with that because there are going to be games across this season that we're going to feel hard done by. But, but we move. We move on to the next one. And Arsenal remain well ahead of Man United still. I'll tell you what, Man United weren't good. They were good on the counter. Some really good moments there. Um, but I think we'll get found out again. You look at the three wins they've had before this against Southampton, against Liverpool and against Leicester. They were, again, the Liverpool game was against a really poor Liverpool side. Really, really, really poor. Southampton weren't great. Leicester were dreadful. You know, and I think four wins on the bounce, it's amazing what things on paper look like compared to the actual reality of the situation. I hopefully look forward to seeing Man United fall apart again and dropping points. But they've got momentum now, which will probably help them a bit. 
But I, and that Anthony guy looks a real player. You know, I have to be truthful about that. He looks a real player and who knows what he'll do for them. He could really progress them forwards. But uh, I think that's probably one of the best Old Trafford performances that we've seen. And we were ultimately unlucky in the end to not come out with a lot more than we had. But we still made mistakes from a substitution standpoint, from an individual error standpoint, um, that was of our own making. So I can't just go and say, oh, yeah, it weren't our fault. You know, nothing wrong with what we did uh, because there were still things to criticise. But there was also loads to be really, really positive about. Really, really positive about. Um, and that is going to, where I'm going to end part one. So we're going to tackle your questions and more in part two. So if you have indeed got any thoughts or questions and queries about things, do throw them into the chat box now and we'll tackle them after this quick break. Make sure you go and check out Football Prizes. Uh, we are linked, of course, in the description. Uh, no Arsenal prize up at the moment. However, there's plenty of cool competitions still available. So check the link in today's video description. Okay, without further ado, let's go into the chats and see what you guys are saying. Um, Crusader says, I rate Arteta for making the changes at 75 minutes because I always complained at the lack of changes. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. We created enough chances with it. We just couldn't execute it. Yeah, look, I, and I think that bleeds on from your last comment, Crusader, about I disagreed about the substitutions. Look, I agree with you that I want Arteta to be more proactive with his subs because sometimes he's been too reactive. Um, reaction is good, you know, and I think we benefit from the reactive subs against Fulham in particular. But also, when you want to be reactive, you've got to make the right choices. You can make a decision at the right time, but still make the wrong decision. And that's what I think Arteta ultimately did against United, is we made we changed the system, we changed the shape, we created opportunities for Man United whilst trying to create more for ourselves in a game that we were already creating them against a team that will hurt you on the break. And I think that's the naivety that Arteta had in the game. Uh, Lynn says, Tom, for me, the FA are to blame for putting two Man United officials in this game. Should not be happening. Look, Paul Tierney's from the Greater Manchester area. Arsenal fans were chanting, Paul Tierney, he's one of your own. We knew what was going to happen. And, you know, in the end, in my opinion, the referee should not be given the opportunity to overturn that particular moment. VAR shouldn't be there to re-referee matches. I don't want to go and over, you know, talk about what I've already talked about, but VAR is not there to re-referee games. That's not what it's there for. It's there when there's a clear and obvious error, like when someone's, when the referees thought a player has, you know, taken a player out in the box and actually it turns out that they got the ball and they couldn't see it. You know, it's there for when uh, a referee doesn't sink, uh, attackers a red card and what actually happens is Van Dyke stamped his foot down on an Everton player. That's what it's there for. It's there for when Kukurea has his hair pulled in the box. That's what it's there for. It's not there when there's a soft challenge that the referee sees in full view and decides that's not enough for a free kick. That's what it's not there for. But frankly, the way in which VAR and the officials have used it has been a joke. VAR for me is not the problem. It's the people using it. That's the problem. Um, Amira says, morning time. We've talked to death about rotational fouling, yet nothing's being done. How many times was Jesus being wrestled to the ground and how long was it before McTominay got booked? 
that McTominay eventually got booked for a tackle in which he Tyrone Mings the guy, you know, like when Tyrone Mings threw Saka to the floor, that's what exactly happened with McTominay. By the way, that Tyrone Mings incident didn't get given as a free, uh, didn't get given as a foul nor a penalty. So if you ever want to kind of look at two contrasting moments that are exactly the same, but contrasting in terms of the end result, there's one right there. Again, just more disgraceful officiating. I don't really want to get bogged down in officiating. Um, Jacques, my captain, says, Morning, Tom. Last season, you opposed at Partey's injury-prone narrative by pointing out his record at Madrid. With recent happenings, has your view changed in any way? Yes. <laughs> Does that answer your question? He is injury-prone. I will absolutely hold my hands up on that one. Uh, Thomas Partey is injury-prone. I'm grown up enough to know when I... I'm happy to change my mind on something when the evidence suggests I should. I was willing to see if it would kind of correct itself because he hadn't had any injuries at Madrid. But it's very clear that with this reoccurring problem in the same place, Thomas Partey is injury prone. So there you go. I do, you know, I, I've had a few of these kind of comments, you know, and I get it. I get it. Look, I, I run a show. I talk about football every day. If you talked about football every day, sometimes twice a day, for three, four, five, six years, as we pretty much have done. I am going to say things a year ago or two years ago or six months ago or even a week ago that in a week's time, evidence suggests I'm wrong about. And I get that it's human nature to want to point out mistakes. I get it. I get it. Okay. But it is, I have found it a bit strange. There's been a number of comments recently and I pinned one actually in our comment section. And you know, I, I get it. I can come across maybe as a little bit arrogant sometimes or whatever. I don't like being wrong. No one likes being wrong. I don't even think it's that arrogant not to be not to want to be wrong, to be fair. But there's been comments recently where people have gone, you said this, Tom, or you've contradicted yourself with this. And there's actually people that have commented, not me, on that comment saying, yeah, but Tom already said that. Tom already admitted that. If you want to jump in and try, and I'm not saying, by the way, Jacques, my captain, that's what you're doing. It's just off the back of what? some comments have been that's fine don't listen if you don't like what i say don't listen like you don't have to do that you know i'm not going to sit here and say you know do one or you know tell you to f off and all that you're more than entitled but if you don't like what i say if you don't agree with what i say don't listen it's as simple as that i just feel like the last week or two there's been so many people trying to jump on and undermine things i've said in the past i do football shows every day i'm going to say things that i disagree with a week later or a year later or five years later it's part of opinions. They change. It's what happens. We encourage it here. We encourage you to change your mind. We allow you to change your mind. Do you know why? Because it's what you can do. You know, you're allowed to do it. What's the point of having a mind if you're not willing to change it? I changed mine about Arteta a long time ago and I'm better off for it. You know, after that Villarreal game, as I've talked about a million times, I wanted him gone. I just didn't see this going forwards. I thought Arsenal needed to go in a better direction. How glorious is it that I was wrong about that? How glorious is it to be sitting at the top of the table in the Premier League six games into the season, however many points clear of Liverpool? You know, it's great. Being wrong can be fantastic. But, you know, if you can't celebrate that, if you can't, you know, unanimously just accept that and constantly want to try and find undermining moments of someone's point of view, you really do take the sheen away from what I honestly would say is very very few people on a platform are willing to do is to allow you to have your mind change is to not be proud about a position that they, help, that they hold. 
it's it's not worth undermining. It really isn't. Uh, Mo says, have you noticed that Martinelli and Saka's socks are broken by the 10th minute from being uh, tramped? What's the word? Stomped on? Trampled? Trampled. That's the word. Yes, I have. And it's, you know, you look, it happens to a lot of players like Zaha and Grealish as well. Um, I have always been saying that the referees need to give them more protection, that harsher foul, harsher decisions need to be made, yellow cards need to be brandished sooner. Gabriel Jesus was fouled by Martinez in the first minute and should have been given a yellow card. There's, it was a, it was a kick. He kicked him like he just full on kicked the guy when he was beaten. That was a yellow card. But because of the time of when it happened in the game, he wasn't given a yellow card. But it was a blatant yellow because the referee is is afraid to kind of set the tone in that moment. But He's booted him. He's booted his leg and you've not given him a yellow. There's there's a difference between, you know, the argument, as Tim says, it's a contact sport, which I think is more in reference to the idea of, you know, the Erdegaard moment of our goal getting disallowed. But whilst it's a contact sport, you can't boot someone. You know, that's a yellow card. And it's just things like that that really bug me. Um, let's go to Ash says, the subs is a non-issue. The game died at 2-1. We were in control and made a mistake. I disagree, Ash. You know, I think that the substitutions contributed to um, the reason why we lost and we considered the third goal. I think if we don't make the, I think if we don't make the structural change, I think if we make some like for like changes and just keep kind of the fitness up, who knows what happens? It's impossible to know, but I think we have a better chance of coming away with a result than changing the system in the same way that we did against Fulham. I think you can afford to do it against teams like Fulham. I don't think you can do it against Man United at Old Trafford. And I think that's probably the mistake. Amir says, Tom, did Smith Rowe get injured? Yes. Uh, we're not 100% sure. Supposedly, he pulled up in the warm down. Uh, David Ornstein tweeted that. Um, you know, our uh, luck with injuries is a joke. Hopefully, we get some positive news on that. But I don't know anything. Uh, we weren't asking Arteta because he didn't even know in the press box, in the press conference afterwards. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wouldn't have been right to even ask it in that moment. Thanks for the kind comments, guys. I'm scrolling down. I'm seeing these as well. Um, I appreciate that. I appreciate it a lot. Um, Doom. Uh, Doom Aguna says, I know stock falling is an Arsenal vision thing, but was yesterday a Saliba stock falling game? He uh, felt he did a poor job as a sweeper slash cover centre-back. Did Saliba have a poor game? I don't think so. No, I don't I don't think so. I think he was calm. I think he was composed in moments. I think his speed was good. Despite being on a yellow card for quite a lot of the game, I think he did really well. So no, I don't agree, actually. I don't think he had a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. I think, unfortunately, again, he was left a little bit hung out to dry, I suppose, by the extra space that was opened up. But I think he did really well in some moments still. So no, it probably wasn't his strongest game of the season, but he's been brilliant. You know, it's very difficult. If, you're, if your performances are nines and tens every week, when you drop to a seven or an eight, I suppose it's kind of perceived as a bit of a failure. But no, I, I thought that, I thought Saliba was excellent. I thought Saliba was still good. Um, Lynn says, Tom, surely this is what we all, what is all about, the difference of constructive opinions. That is what the show is about. It is, that is what it's about. It's just, I just sometimes feel as though people are very quick to try and point out contradictions or they're very quick to point out things you said a year ago as some kind of barometer for where you are now. If you've not changed your mind from some of your points of views from even a year ago, perhaps even a week ago, 
then you, are you ever going to grow as a person? No, you're going to stay stagnant and you're going to stay in the same place you always have. You're going to look like a mug on certain things. And trust me, there are people that look like a mug for having opinions that they've not changed from a year or two ago. Trust me. Uh, Nishad says, is yesterday's game not just last season's 3-1 reversed? Ref decisions went our way that day. Man United played decently but lost. I don't think so. You know, you compare the performance of Arsenal against Man United at home last season. No, we didn't hit them on the break. We didn't hit them on the counter to get the goals. You know, Xhaka scored a brilliant goal from range, as we know. Bruno Fernandes, of course, missed a penalty. Tavares scored a great goal, not on the counter, but after some brilliant play uh, from across the box. Saka had that shot that was parried out, of course. We were dominant in that first half against Man United. Absolutely dominant. And we should have gone into that game half-time probably with more goals than we had. So, no, I don't think it's a flip. I think Arsenal dominated both games. One game fell in our favour, but the other game didn't. And I don't think it's because of a lack of dominance. Uh, I think we dominated both games and deserve to win both games. Um, Matty Gunner says, Tom, do you think having the Europa League games will encourage the speed of the squad's uh, players to perform now and challenge the starter spots? I think that the, the Europa League in these moments can be good because you've come off the back of a defeat. It gives you a really quick opportunity to um, respond, to come back, especially for someone like Lukonga, who should play probably, you know, and should come into this game. But for me, I think that there are going to be times where we don't want the Europa League. You know, we're off the back of a win. We're off the back of um, a good run of form, but we are thin because of injuries and you just can't afford to have the, the, the PSV game drop at a certain point. So I think it can be good and bad. There are positives, there are negatives. So I think for both, that's what we want. Um, let's go. Jason says, hi, Tom. Rumor has it Smith Rowe doesn't live very well off the pitch. Sweets, drinks, blah, blah, blah. Have you heard these rumors? No, I haven't. Jason, could you send me a link to where you've seen these? Um, just DM me on Instagram or Twitter. I'd be interested to know where you found those rumors, but I've personally not heard those at all. I know Reese Nelson used to have um, has spoken publicly about, you know, not necessarily taking his diet and stuff like that seriously. So maybe maybe that's it. But uh, no, I've not heard anything regarding Smith Rowe. Um, Amira says also Tom football is a contact sport anymore or does that not only apply to Man United players especially Maguire how is that pushing Eddie any different from this yeah look that was really clumsy really clumsy and if, like, if you're going to give the Erdegaard as a foul VAR's got to take a look at that you know you've got to be consistent if you're going to give the Erdegaard moment as a foul Maguire's really clumsy on Nketiah really clumsy uh, it, it's just, just no consistency there's just no consistency at all uh, Tim says, are you worried that VAR is turning the beautiful game into WWE? They seem to be favoring obvious cheats, rewarding apparent dives, but somehow actually wrestling slips through the net. Um, <laughs> VAR is is not the reason. VAR is not the problem. It is the people running VAR that is the problem. I can't say it enough. I can't say it enough. You've been VAR, there's still going to be mistakes because you are not making referees accountable enough. You are not making the right decisions well enough. And they're starting to overthink decisions. You think about how long Paul Tierney looked at that moment, thinking about what was the right decision to make. As soon as you decide to go and look at the monitor, it's probably going to be overturned because it's 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 a soft foul. But it's not enough of a foul, I don't think, for VAR to intervene. Soft foul, anyway, is such a horrible terminology because as soon as you use the word foul in any answer, whether it's soft, light, 
nearly a foul or just a foul. The word foul means that a free kick should be given. So it's not a soft foul. It's just soft. It's a soft action. You know, that's what it is. It's not a soft foul. It's a soft action that I don't think VAR should be getting involved with. Um, let's go to... Uh, uh, let's go to scrolling down. Sorry, guys. I know I'm missing out loads of comments. It's really difficult when there's so many that pop up all at once. Um, Teng Vang says, when you see a turnover in possession, Saliba should be running back or ready to cover the space behind. And yet he was rooted to the ground to try and play off a side trap. Let me know. Again, the offside trap is a tactic. That's not an individual choice that a player is trying to make. That is a tactic. Arsenal played a high line throughout the whole game. So he's only doing what he's been asked to do to play that high line to try and catch United offside. It ultimately failed for us. It failed for us. Um, I'm not going to blame an individual for trying to play a player offside when that clearly is a tactic of the team. He's still got the pace to get back and did in plenty of moments. So I'm not going to start scapegoating Saliba defensively. Iron says, but the goals uh, are goals, whether it is a build-up or counter. Domination uh, near the D on or in the box without a goal means nothing um, on the boards. It doesn't. And that's the reality of the game, is that that's why we have to pick our heads up off the floor and move on. I'm not going to linger about this result. I'm going to look ahead to the Zurich game. I'm going to look ahead to us responding. What I will be frustrated about is if we are talking about this United game in a week's time. We shouldn't be. We should be... You know, we talk about it now because this is the show to talk about it. But after that, we need to move on. After this, after we've had this rant, after we've had this vent, after we've voiced our views on it, it's done. It's done. We need to learn from the mistakes that we had in the game, both individually and managerially. There were mistakes. We need to learn from those. We move forwards. It's as simple as that. There's no point sitting around and defending, you know, for all the live long week. There were mistakes made. We need to learn from them. But they're not mistakes that I am particularly, you know, worried about because I think they're mistakes that we can iron out. They're mistakes that I can point towards a reason as to why it happened, i.e. the Fulham game with the substitutions, i.e. injuries with Lokonga being there and potentially mistakes in the transfer market of not signing someone. I still need to know who that is. You know, I, I think there was a comment left on one of the videos yesterday that was like, we needed to sign a number six. Finding who that number six was is a big thing. You know, who that player was is always going to be a big thing. But uh, that's for another day, I think. Uh, let's go to Arsenic Gunner, who says, Tom, bro, Spurs will be a carbon copy of this game. Will Arteta commit the same tactical naiveties? I hope not. I hope not. We'll only know when it happens. We'll only know when we come to that game. Um, Christopher says, apparently Triple H was at the ground yesterday, scouting Martinez and McTominay. <laughs> uh, Josh says, hi, Tom. The thing I found the most annoying about the game is that we created heaps of chances, um, but just couldn't finish them. If we had just finished our chances, we would have won the match easy. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that sometimes. Is the team that takes the chances wins, and Man United took their chances. They created three really good opportunities and they scored. There is some fortune about it. You know, I think actually if Ben White doesn't make the deflection, Ramsdale probably saves Rashford's shot, the first one. But Ben White has to do that. He has to try and get there. It's just really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. But he has to try and get there. If he didn't, you know, and Rashford just chipped him and he was just kind of walking back, everyone would be like, well, why is he not chasing back? He, he got to the ball it's just unfortunate with the deflection. It's just misfortune in that moment, unfortunately. Uh, Tim Jalas says, Tom, I totally agree. Of course, the technology of VAR isn't bad in itself, but the people behind it are poor to say the least. 
I mean, have VAR as how it's working in the Premier League right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at look at tennis, look at cricket. You know, these are moments. I mean, I know it's easier in tennis because it's either in or it's out. You know, with with, with choices. But you look at rugby, you look at cricket. You know. You don't hear, and I know that football is a more high-profile sport with respect to rugby and cricket, but you don't hear about the VAR or video assistant refereeing being a problem in those sports. I, ne- I, I, and maybe I'm just ignorant and I'm not involved enough in those sports. And maybe bigger fans of those sports will, um, you know, will will tell me I'm wrong. But I personally, like, I've got friends that are big cricket fans. I've got friends that are big rugby fans. And I just don't feel as though VAR is talked about in those sports as being a problem anywhere near as much as it is talked about being a problem in football. And that must be because of the quality. But again, I'm getting hung up on decision-making when really, you know, there are still things in our own game that we need to improve. Um, Asif says, same old problems. We weren't clinical and defensively were awful. We needed defensive midfield reinforcements and did not buy any players in that position. Asif, let me know in the comment section who you would have signed. I would love to know your answer. Uh, Paul says, does this highlight why fans have been crying out for club to focus on finding a DM? We've only we've had 12 months to rectify this and only on deadline day did we go after two targets. Uh, I mean, on deadline day, Douglas Louise ain't a six. I wrote about this yesterday. Douglas Luiz is not a six. He's more of a six than an eight than, say, Tillemans is, as uh, Elliot described him on the Arsenal Vision podcast. But Douglas Luiz is is not a six. You speak to any Aston Villa fan and they'll tell you he's 10 times the player playing in an eight role than he is a six. So even if we would have signed Luiz, it's no guarantee that we would have, you know, had our problem solved, you know? Um, I did miss out a super chat from earlier on. Um, Sayak, thank you so much. Uh, constructive criticism is an art gooners don't know. Thank you for that, mate. Uh, we've also had a super chat from Aya, who says, I feel this. I feel with this Arsenal team needs a world-class talisman like every great EPL team has had, like De Bruyne and Silva for City. Our young players might need time or hope that one of them might have an amazing season. I think we have a talisman in Gabriel Jesus. He was the one taking the pre-match team talk. He was the one speaking to the players. I think we have a player in him that can be a talismanic figure. I personally think that we need that Rodri. I personally think we need that Fabinho. That's who Arsenal need, in my opinion. That's who I want. I want a Fabinho. I want a Rodri. I think that player takes Arsenal really forwards. Really, really, really pushes it to that next level. I don't know if that was available in in the summer window. I'm struggling for anyone to tell me. I don't think Basuma would have been a Rodri for us or a, a Fabinho for us. I don't think he's good enough to be on that kind of level. He's good. I don't think he's that good. Is Declan Rice that player? Potentially. And this is why getting into the top four is so key. Is so key because getting Champions League football gives us the opportunity to get that player. And Charlie, is Partey meant to be that player? Look, if Partey had a 100% fitness record for Arsenal, I think we'd be in a different place. But unfortunately, he isn't. He's not fit 100% of the time. And whilst I don't even think that that's his best position, he's clearly one of the best in the Premier League at playing that position. That's because he's so good at at both six and eight. He can play those, those positions really well. I think his better position is slightly further forward than the six for me. And I know that people passionately disagree and that's fine. We're all entitled to our opinion just from what I've seen of the person. But yeah, we need to find our Fabinho. He's, you know, part is 29 now. We are going to have to replace him at some point. 
We need to find our Fabinho. We need to find our Rodri. It's as simple as that. Joshua Kimmich is a great shout. However, I don't think he has the physicality that I would like from that player. I think that we need to go and have a look for that player. And maybe they're not even around at the moment. Maybe next summer they will be. I don't necessarily see who the obvious candidate, Sangara. Um, I like him a lot. Is he as good as your Fabinho? Is he as good as your Rodri's? Is he going to take you to that next level? I don't know. So we'll have to wait and see. Oh, Marva, we got our first troll in the chat. Look, if, if you don't agree with what I say, it's on you for tuning in, mate. <laughs> it's on you for listening. But thank you for your listenership. I appreciate it. Uh, Dan says, Tom, do you think because football is a sport where player accentuate contact with VAR playing everything in slow motion, it all looks like heavy contact. Simulation is making it hard. Um, I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. Players accentuate contact because they need to try and make it so the referee has a decision to make. Like there are sometimes fouls in the box that if they didn't accentuate the contact, then if they didn't accentuate the contact, then they're not going to get the decision. So that's why players do it. That's why they that's why there's dives because players sometimes think there's going to be contact, so they play for the contact. And I'm not going to begrudge someone necessarily always for doing it because there are going to be times where a referee makes a mistake. And to be honest, diving as an institution, which it has become, is in part due to referees and the quality of refereeing is why it exists for me. Um, Anana or Caicedo? Anana is what? 20? I'm going to do Anana. And let's be real, most of us didn't even know who he was for this season. Most of us did not know who Amadou Anana was. All of us knew who Fabinho was at Monaco. All of us knew who Rodri was at Atletico Madrid. We all knew. That's what we need. That's the type of sign we need. We need someone who is an established baller in that position. Not someone who might be a risk. Not someone who might, you know, come in and, and be great, like a Lukonga style or a Nana style or, you know, Basuma when he joined Brighton. You know, we need someone that is a genuine, established baller in that position. That's what we need to try and find. I don't think it was there in the summer, personally. Um, and, and that sucks. But not being in the Champions League is always going to limit that opportunity. So let's get into the Champions League this season. All talk of titles, you know, this is why I didn't want to talk about titles, because why? Why would we start talking about title challenges? It's a joke. You know, top four is absolutely the minimum. The minimum expectation for me is top four for this season. We need to make sure we get that. If we do get that, then we are in a position to go for the best. And Arsenal needs to be in a place where they're only adding two, three players in the summer. I don't want summer windows where we're spending 150 million on six, seven, eight players. What Chelsea are doing, I find mad. I find absolutely mad. And they deserve all the misfortune that will come their way for it. But Arsenal needs to be in a position where they find one, two players, three players max a summer to improve the first 11 or improve kind of the competition in one key area and move forwards. We can't sign six, seven, eight, nine, ten players every summer. We can't. No successful team looks to do that. You look at Liverpool, you look at Manchester City. In the last few years, they've not gone out and signed five-plus players. They're signing two starters and maybe a couple of extra additions to the first eleven. This summer, Haaland, Calvin Phillips. Haaland doesn't even start. You know, City have added one starter. Liverpool have added one starter. That's where we need to be. We not need. We don't need to be in a position where we're adding five, six, seven, eight players. And hopefully we're building in a way that we hopefully will get there one day. Guillermo Rodriguez is not that, he's not good enough to be that guy. He's good. He's good for cover, but he's not good enough to be your Fabinho. 
Aya says, Arsenal fans must realise that sometimes we, um, sometimes the better team on the day wins and there's no need to find a scapegoat or reasons to vent your frustrations. The thing is, I don't think United were the better team yesterday. I really don't think they were the better team. Um, and, you know, if, if, if people want to go on about saying we deserve to lose, fair enough. I don't think we deserve to lose that game yesterday, personally. I really don't think we deserve to lose that game at all. Charles says, I think Casemiro is going to make United even better. Look, Casemiro is a top, top player for that position. But there is no justification for Arsenal spending £70 million on a 29... What is he? How old is Casemiro? Is he 30 now? Bit jack. Uh, he's 30. Turns 31 in February. There's no justification to ask them to go out and spend 60, 70 million pounds on Casemiro. If United want to go and do that, it's because they can. It's because they can. No, they've got money to just chuck away. You know, Arsenal apparently on a watch list for FFP, supposedly, even though I find that a lot of bollocks. You know, but at the same time, Arsenal, I don't want Arsenal to go out and spend 70 million pounds on a 30 year old CDM. I want us to go and find the Rodri's and the Fabinho's that can be in that position for the next seven, eight years. So whilst Casemiro is probably going to make United a better team immediately, they should feel the financial impact of that later on down the line, but who knows? They probably won't. It's just the way that it works. It's just the way that it works. Keto says, a player on the level of Fabinho or Rodri ain't joining us. I'm sorry, mate, but a player on the level of Fabinho and Rodri when they were at Monaco and Atletico Madrid would absolutely join Arsenal. Absolutely join Arsenal if we were in the Champions League. You're never going to convince me otherwise of that. But when Fabinho was in at Monaco and when Rodri was at Atleti, we weren't in the Champions League. We fell out of the Champions League. So we're in the wrong position to go for those types of players. That's why we need to qualify for it this season so that we can go for those types of players. It's not it's not genius to work out and say that those two players wouldn't necessarily have joined Arsenal at that point in time. But if Arsenal get back to the Champions League, I have no doubt in my mind they can attract that level of player when they're at those clubs. That's That's what we need. That's where we're going. Anyway, I feel like I'm going off on just repeating myself over and over again now. So we are going to wrap things up there. Uh, there might be another show today. I might do a phone-in show. I might not. I'm off, so I've got the time. I might do a phone-in show later to see what you guys are saying. Um, you know, people have, called, people have called me out on this show. Maybe it'd be great if people came on a phone-in show to do that. They don't. They just don't. They're usually too scared. Um, but uh, we always have great contributions anyway. So a massive thank you to everybody that has joined us uh, on today's show. Thank you, everybody, in the chat box. Do drop a like on the video. Subscribe. Enjoy your Monday. Take your mind off Arsenal. Uh, we've got a quick turnaround till Thursday, and uh, hopefully we can get some really positive returns from this as well. Thank you for listening. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.